Welcome to the Lights, Camera, Action, Entertainment Reviews Podcast. The world is changed. Much that once was is lost. For none now live who remember it. History became legend. Legend became myth. And some things that should not have been forgotten were lost. Our Lord of the Rings retrospective continues. It has now been found. Is it secret? Is it safe? You have my sword. And you have my bow. And my axe. Carry the face of his all little one. We're coming too! Sephiroth's not going anywhere without me. You will face evil. And you will defeat it. On this episode, we will be discussing and reviewing The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Are you frightened? Yes. Not nearly frightened enough. This episode will contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. There will be no dawn for men. And now, here are your hosts for this episode. Mike Winkler, Alistair Engelhardt, and Daniel English. Welcome back to the Lord of the Rings retrospective here on the Lights, Camera, Action, Entertainment Reviews podcast. I am here again with Alistair Engelhart and Hello. Daniel English. Glad to have you guys back for the Two Towers. Thanks for having us, Mike. Let's do it. All right. So, um, a lot longer than Fellowship. Uh, I, I definitely felt it this time around. Um, so, uh, what do you guys want to get into? Hmm. Um, well, I, I guess I, my, my initial thought uh, around the around the film is I, I like it from a purely entertainment standpoint i really actually my my favorite scene of the entire trilogy is in this film and it is the um arrival of gandalf and aemer at the very end um i i just every time i've watched it i that is the ones there well there's two scenes actually um and both of which are in this movie that that bring me to tears each time i i i see it that is one of them um even though, ironically, Aomer was not the one to arrive with Gandalf in the books. <laughs> um, the second um, was uh, Theodred's funeral, uh, the death mm. of Theoden's son. And um, that was actually a scene that, as we're talking about the extended version, um, was, had a little bit of content added to the extended version, um, which wasn't in the original. But but it, in, in any in any case, the funeral itself is in uh, both the extended and the, and the cinematic version. And um, gosh, I've watched this movie probably nine, ten times, and um, I actually feel like each time I watch it, and perhaps now because I have kids of my own, um, it's it's gotten sadder for me. Like I. Mm-hmm. Um, despite expecting it um just um i think a, a combination of the the story itself and also the the acting by um the the actor who plays um theoden um, just, um yeah 
this really moving scene. But um, anyways, kind of my, my original thought, again, from an entertainment standpoint, I really like this film. I love the battle scenes. Um, from a, a, a Tolkien fan standpoint, this is maybe my my least favorite of the of the three <laughs> um mm-hmm. just because they they changed so much uh from the book on this one um but um but yeah so i've i have mixed feelings personally <laughs> mm. interesting yeah well it'll be no surprise for me but my favorite parts usually revolve around gandalf too <laughs> as they do in fellowship yep um and again, so this time watching, I I tried to remember what it was like seeing it the first time. Hmm. And so some firsts, it's the first time we get to actually see Gollum. And we talked about this a little bit last time. I just love how the movie's aged. I think Gollum looks great. I did notice some Nazgul scenes that looked a little dated. Hmm. Um, Agreed. Yeah, it's like when they're flying over the marsh. Um it just, you could tell it aged a little bit. Yeah. Not quite as bad as the Stormtrooper <laughs> on a creature in oh, no. uh, near Mos Eisley. But, um, and then I loved when they're walking in Fangorn Forest and you hear the voice. It's, it's Aragorn mm. and Legolas and Gimli in pursuit yep. of hobbits. And they mix Saruman and Gandalf's voice. Mm-hmm. And I remember yep. the first time you see that, the oh, writers crap. talking about <laughs> the white wizard. Yeah, and they're like, the white wizard is cunning. And so uh, I don't remember how much I expected or didn't expect to see Gandalf again, but I thought they handled it in a really cool way. Um, yeah. And just, I've always been interested in the capacities of the of the reborn Gandalf because he talks about like huh that's what they called me and he has this damaged memory almost and so um and the statement he says about being Saruman or as Saruman should have been just a very it's I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot under that that I'm interested to dive in because I haven't seen the I haven't read the books um Mm -hmm. Or rather, I haven't read the second or third in the trilogy. So yeah. I just feel like there's got to be more to that transformation that's going on. Um, but yeah, other than that, I love the battles too. I actually forgot how much I liked the Battle of Helm's Deep. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it might be the best battle in the series. Wow, yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I loved it. As I always do every time I watch. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it's funny because um, I think the one thing I took away from this movie is that uh, I, I really didn't realize that we have a good solid two hours before we really get a full-on battle scene in this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least in the extended cut. I mean, I don't works. remember. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't know how what in, in the theatrical cut per se, but... Um, I realized, I looked at the running time when the first battle started, and I'm like, oh my god, it's almost been two hours before there's actually been a lengthy battle. Because we've gotten little exchanges and little battles throughout the movie, but nothing as big as the Battle of Helm's Deep, of course. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, uh, I, I think the one thing, too, um, it's the one negative thing I kind of take away from the movie, and I think it's the extended cut that does it. Um, and you guys can tell me if I'm right on this, but uh, all the scenes of Pippin... And Mary in the woods with the tree. 
right? The ends, yeah, 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 with the ends, right, right. Right. Um, hmm. Were those scenes extended because they seemed overly long and it seemed like it dragged to the extended cut down a bit? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they're not the all are, extended. They're not all extended, but but the 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 whole con, like the the manipulation by Pippin was actually mm-hmm. that that was one of the scenes that was almost uh, in complete opposition to the books. So um, the Entmoot in the books immediately resulted in an act of war by the Ents upon Isengard. Um, so they they actually they decided. You know, not complete opposite because they weren't going to they were kind of taking a very neutral stance in the movie. But um, but there wasn't this hesitancy to get involved. um, So why do you think they made that change? You know, they made that change in a number of ways. Um, So I I feel like for the sake of of um, a a script that's maybe compelling to what viewers are looking for nowadays, they introduced conflict to a number of characters that never experienced that conflict. So we talked last time about Aragorn mm-hmm. and, um, and some of the conflicts they introduced with Aragorn. Um, Faramir was far more conflicted in the films than he was in the books. In the books, he never took after his brother. He, he recognized how off his brother had been from the start um, mm-hmm. and, and vowed an oath to protect Frodo ne- and to never take him to Minas Tirith. But in the movies, that's, that's like a good, 45 minutes um, right yeah of, of like all like, putting together of him yeah of him kind of showing the same weakness that his brother did and and i never understood like i said i never understood that i um i i think the only thing that i that i can think of and and some of the some of the forums that i was reading in, in preparation for today kind of hit on this too is, is that there's almost the sense in which goodness just pure goodness or um, characters that don't have that kind of rough, rough side are, are boring. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. um, that, w- that without controversy, the story is boring. Um, and Interesting. I, I think there's something to that. You know, I, I, I wonder if nowadays, if, if, um, if, if maybe maybe that is what people are are you know looking for, and, and if some elements of, of what um, Tolkien recognized make make up a true a truly good story, um, you know might might be might have been lost um, hmm, uh, right. on today's view. I don't know. What what do you guys think? I I feel like obviously I don't know the the book story in this in these cases, but I think it just adds to drama. Yeah. One thing I I that really stuck out to me in fellowship was Gandalf's harshness to Pippin. Hmm. And, um, and I feel as though Pippin's craftily getting the Ents involved was the beginning of a redemption arc for him. Um, to when I, I mean, he's, he's never not foolish, but I think he, he, (laughs) proves himself to be a pretty noble character. So if yeah. I had to stab in the dark, really not knowing, I would say the Ents are more of a novelty part of the of the movies, and Pippin is a core character. And so why not give why not give the decisiveness and the urgency to Pippin and Mary to convince the Ents instead of the Ents kind of deciding in their in their council right away. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, you guys are right because the biggest problem, especially with with Hollywood, is that um, when they're when they're doing an adaptation from a book, they they almost feel like they have to take it upon themselves to insert stuff that's not in there for entertainment value, so it holds the non-book reader's interests. And I guess there's a there's a good and a bad balance of doing that. I mean, if if you add something to the movie that's that that works and it doesn't completely divert from the material. I mm-hmm. guess it's okay to do, but when you're changing something so crucial from the book that people uh, might have resonated with or or got shocked by, and then you're completely going the other direction, it kind mm-hmm. of almost ruins the adaptation. It ruins that scene. It ruins the flow because you're like, that's what I liked about the book, and the movie right. is changing that. And it's not right. always the greatest idea to go about that, and I think that's something that Hollywood needs to learn. And they actually do the same thing with uh, – with video game movie adaptations. They yeah. never follow the source material. They always want to find a way to add something new to it. You have the story in front of you. Follow the game. That's what made the game popular. Follow that story. So I'm going to dissent here just a little bit, and not in every way, but I I went through this when I was younger. Um, I had read the Harry Potter books. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. each movie I wanted... I wanted the the book to be on the screen and I yeah. had a really hard time with every change that was made um, but it also kind of started this thought of is it okay to change the material to adapt the material and I think sometimes changes can be really effective mm-hmm. um, or clever or creative and they can expose Mm. something new or recontextualize the material to make it more enjoyable. Um, Again, I'm, I'm lacking in my understanding of the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy novels, but um, I think that would be one of the things I wanted to do was talk a little bit about what I had heard was in the book, maybe characters that were conflated locations, events, and kind of get, your perspective, Alistair, because one of the things I think I look for is why were the changes made? What mm. did the changes do to the characters? Um, mm. Did it communicate something maybe even more clearly than the text did? Mm. As an example, when you were talking about fellowship, I love that scene where Aragorn closes mm. Frodo's hand around the ring. That's and a great tells scene. Him, yeah, and I and if that's not in the book i i think i'm okay that's not my only rubric but then Mm. to your point mike sometimes i feel like the changes don't understand or respect the source material correct and i think there's no better example than that than the live action adaptation of avatar the last airbender Um, oh my god yeah and so so awful it's like and I think it's a little bit the difference between Marvel and DC that we talked about last time. Like, if you don't understand and love your source material, you might not create something that the community will appreciate. And after all, the community is the whole reason hmm. you're developing it. So, so yeah. So one of the things I had heard was Brago the horse was a, a hat tip to a king in the books. Brago, you know, I don't remember that piece. So the horse that ends up he's really wild in the barn and the two eyes are like they can't get him and and aragorn speaks elvish to the horse and quiets him down and that's when eowyn kind of recognizes that he's something special and he says to him brago that's a kingly name i Mm -hmm. had heard that 
they changed a King Brago into the horse because they didn't put him in the movie, but they were like, hey, we still want to, you know, point this guy out. And the horse obviously, huh. you know, saves him in a way, like picks him up from off that ledge that he fell. Well, yeah, that I'd have to go back because I don't remember Brago. Um, but that 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 scene actually is another one that's only in the in the films. Um, yeah. So so the war the war battle um, wasn't in the book though the well it wasn't in Two Towers. There was a war battle directly before the Mines of Moria in the Fellowship. Mm. Um, okay. And it wasn't. It, yeah, it was a little little bit of a different context. But in in any case, so Aragorn actually there wasn't really like a, a moment when he was separated from the party prior to him um, going into the the mountain um, to take okay. the path to interact with the dead. Um, um, in the books, so uh, I don't know. I'd have I'll have to go back and, and look up Rago. I I don't remember him specifically. So um, the second one, yeah, was the extended version of the Fangorn Forest with yes. Barry and Pippin when they're drinking the water and they're kind of running around and they get pulled into the trees. <laughs> and, oh um, yeah, I think it's Treebeard that releases them from the trees. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Fangorn the first forest they go into and they get sucked into the trees and that's where Tom Bombadil comes in? So yeah, so the the, the first the first forest they went into in the Fellowship was the old forest. Um, okay. Yep. And um, and old man Willow was in um, that first. Yeah, you're right. There was that was another moment when I I think that some some elements of the Fellowship were kind of getting merged. Yeah. Uh, with with the two towers yeah good fun fun scene i, for, I forgot about that scene <laughs> yeah that, i did like that one i like their bandying yeah. but now you're how right many... yeah it was tom okay. bombadil <laughs> now how many elements from like um because alistair i i've read the fellowship but it's been a long time so i don't really remember everything that was in fellowship from the book that was in the movie um was anything from Fellowship carried over into the two towers with the source material? Did they carry some stuff over that wasn't supposed to be in there? Yeah, actually, um, the, the 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 Fellowship in the book actually ends sooner, if yeah. I if I remember correctly, than the movie does. So yeah, the, the battle in the forest does not happen in the book. That's uh, how that's how two towers begins. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, um, but other than that, I'm I'm trying to think of any other. Those are the, yeah, those are the only two that come to mind. Maybe if we're talking about it, more will come to mind though. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Interesting. Hmm. What what do you all think of? Um, I was curious. It just kind of um, brings to mind Arwen, who is much more prominent in the Fellowship and, and Return of the King than she was in Two Towers. But right. um, what what do you all think of Eowyn and the whole kind of? Um, kind of almost like a romance thread between her and Aragorn. You know, was was that? Um, yeah, just just thoughts on that that whole piece. Well, I mean, it was I mean, it was it was heavily hinted at in Fellowship. I mean, they had their they had their um, they had their scenes. But you know, the thing of it is that um, is that something that was prevalent in the books? Eowyn, yeah. So Eowyn was was definitely a uh, a prominent character. She ends up with Faramir um, in the Return of the King, which we don't uh-huh. see in the movies. But um, but yeah, she she was she was definitely um, part of the part of the books as well. I uh, think but, but she, she was has, younger. But yeah. she was younger. Yeah, she was like okay. almost like a, a, a barely out of her teenage years, like a twenty so, a young twenty something. Oh wow! I think she has a really cool part. Mm-hmm. 
and I like her as the fulfillment of the prophecy. Her fawning over Aragorn is something I don't particularly like in the films. Mm, um, when he comes back and she's like, oh, and I don't, it's almost like her role until she serves a greater purpose in the films is to be a third party viewer of Aragorn's like distance from a, from Arwen. I don't know. And mm-hmm. so when, sure. when they're getting ready to go to the, to, to arm up for battle at Helm's deep and she's like, they wouldn't part from you because they love you. Sorry. <laughs> and I'm just like, I mean, how does she barely knows this guy? Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, it just yeah. doesn't feel authentic, and uh-huh. I don't. I mean, I think he handles it pretty gracefully, I, but I just don't. Yeah. So I, I don't yeah, love it. Yeah, I, 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 I know what you mean, Dan. I, I think the first time that I watched the two towers, the first few times I watched the two towers, I. I felt like it was inauthentic from an acting perspective or like a storytelling perspective. But the most recent few times that I've watched it, I simply I think what, what you're referring to is that the, the love itself comes across as inauthentic, like like in, in a real way to the story, but like inauthentic love. And, and I and I agree. I think it's I think there was a there was a line that she said recently that that kind of betrayed to me what I what I think is going on with with. Eowyn, which is when she says she fears a cage when he asks her um um what what do you fear my lady um and um and that's all she's that's all she's afraid of i think that she's attracted to what aragorn stands for um with kind of like this adventurous gruff kind of kind of leader that's a little bit different than theoden in that way like it it, theoden to me seems like a groomed king like he's 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 very traditionally kingly yeah. Um, yeah. And, and Last I checked, Theoden was king. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, look at look at Aragorn making the kingly decisions and begrudgingly, eventually adopting the title. Mm-hmm. And I think it boils down to his awareness of the potential corruption of man's heart is what right. makes him such a great leader. Is his ability to recognize, you know. Deceitful things come out of the heart, and and he's worried about that. You know what strength is in his blood? I think is really him asking, "What weakness do I carry because of my mm. my humanity?" But yeah, yeah, and I, like I said, I like Eowyn's story arc minus Aragorn. I love her and Gimli's relationship. I really love the way she helps. You know, uh, Mary later on when yeah. when she she views it's kind of like captain america's line when he wants to join the military and he's like it's not about me guys are out there laying down their lives i have i have no right to do anything less than they they i don't remember exactly how i said yeah yeah. it's this this duty that's duty that calls them to say i don't care if i'm you know a woman or i'm a hobbit we want to be fighting that's our that's our duty and that's our our striving yeah but yeah just the love the romance angle and if they would have played it as more of like a respect but 
Yeah. So funny, funny, a little bit of uh, fun trivia. Um, the, the character of Awen was actually uh, created a while before Arwen and was originally intended by Tolkien to be Aragorn's love interest. Really? Um, and really? he actually he, he later created Arwen and like this decades long um, love story between her and Aragorn and, and then and then had transitioned to wanting Arwen to die saving Theoden. Wow. Uh, but later, but later changed his mind again. Um, Arwen or Eowyn. Yeah. He wanted her to die saving Theoden um, in that, in that last battle um, where she ends up killing the witch King. Um, so I just thought that was kind of cool. That is he, cool. He, he, he invested quite a bit into, into Eowyn's character trying to figure out the best way to fit her into the story. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the biggest issues, too, I have with, like, Fellowship, one of the most cringeworthy scenes was those scenes that Aragorn sh- shared with Arwen. Uh, it, it almost kind of came off as an Arwen when she saw Aragorn, the way she acted. She was like a cheerleader at a party, and, 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 the, and the popular guy walked through the door, and she got all giddy. Mm. You know, that's how I kind of saw their scenes. Now, the relationship develops pretty well after that. It's just mm, sure. the scenes in the Fellowship that were just kind of, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard, I think, to get the. I think that they did not um, capture the history between the the, the two of them uh, as well as they did in the book, and it, and I think it'd be hard um, to really do. It's it, yeah, I I don't know how that how it, they could have done it differently um, to make it more effective. I, I definitely see where you're coming from, Mike. I, I think it's a little bit rushed and doesn't do justice to how much. Um, how long their relationship had actually been going on prior to that. I mean, they, they were essentially betrothed in a, in a manner of speaking or engaged yeah, prior yeah. to that. And you don't really, you don't really see that. Um, you don't really see um, really any of that history. Um, I don't so know. definitely read the books. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing of it is that that's something like Hollywood could have added. Like, could you have seen like maybe like a scene or two before that scene where after he first sees her, we get a flashback of something, a memory or a moment they shared. Therefore, we get a little bit of insight to who they are. Well, I, I hope so. In the extended, extended version. I, yeah. I, yeah. I really want that. Yeah. Once I they really release the extended extensions. <laughs> yeah. Extended, extended version with new, with new reshoots. But yet they somehow look all older, but it's supposed to take place in the past. Yeah, you know? Well, at some point we should talk about how they're going to be doing an Amazon Prime Lord of the Rings live action series. I wanted what? to ask you guys about that. Are they that. really? Like, is yeah. it going to follow the books? Is it going to be a separate I have series? I know, I know very little about it, except occasionally I see potential casting updates. Um, Web yeah. television series. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, I mean, different people. Are they rebooting it and following the books, or is it going to be like take place in the movie universe with different characters? Oh, my gosh. So I think people? it's going to be a reboot. Oh God! Yeah, and no, the I don't characters. Know any of these people. Oh. Even Ian McKellen was. Uh, oh, I can't remember the exact rumors I, I don't was like, reading, but I don't about. like any of these people's faces. How are they going to make this look and feel better than the originals? It's going to be a TV version of a big screen no, movie. There is no way this works. They could do it. They could do it. Oh, you gotta man. have faith. Oh shit! I mean, what are they gonna do differently? They already haven't done. Are we gonna see the same scenes over and over again? We well, so for one, we're gonna have just what you're asking for. You just were saying they didn't have enough time to flesh oh. out the history. So 
I mean, as a shipper, I love relationships in anything I watch. Mm-hmm. You're going to have more time for friendship and romance arcs. You know, that's true. That's I true. think that's going to be good. At least it won't have Elijah Wood. That's oh. uh, that's well, the now, saving grace. Okay, well, now now you brought up Elijah Wood. We're going to get into that Elijah Wood <laughs> debate that we talked about in the last no, podcast. Come on, we got to do you it know, now. We said we are going to do it. I yeah I was thinking about I was thinking about this I was slaving over this in preparation yeah um, as you'd have to <laughs> yeah, to find beef a with a perfectly good performance <laughs> I I think I think what I well okay a couple of things one I will concede that I think part of the challenge that Elijah Wood faces for me is I love Sean Astin I absolutely love sean astin that's fair and and every scene that frodo is in he's constantly right next to sean astin right and so so there's there's that very easy comparison for me between the two um and i this is very subjective i just love sean astin and i think he he plays sam so well that i think it'd be um yeah I, i i think part of my evaluation of of elijah is definitely being informed by how well i feel like um, Sam's care you pounding the desk. <laughs> <laughs> um, that that being said, I, I think part of the qualms that I have as I thought about it more is more so with how Jackson portrayed Frodo and uh, um, versus how Elijah played Frodo. Mm-hmm. So Frodo in the books to me, one, one is older and, um, I think there's there's part of it wrapped up in that, but I think generally speaking, um, he comes across to me as much more cultured and strong in character in the books than he did in the films. Um, in the films, and and part of that too is in the film, Elijah is having to very v- visually demonstrate to us right. everything that Frodo is going through. That was going to be my main point in his defense is. He presumably is fighting the crux of this battle internally, right? And yet, which you can see in the books, and you yet see his thoughts. he's yeah. given some of the fewest lines of of all the fellowship, right? And so, in order to just portray that all in slow motion facially, his limitations, I think, are the director choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yeah. slow motion yeah and because yeah. when he does do it i think he does it well i think the pity that he shows for um smeagol yep. comes through really well i, like I think scenes. i think him turning against sam comes through really well mm-hmm. um i i just think he when he's given the chance to to show something i think he does it really well yeah. um that doesn't mean yeah. i love Frodo, but I really, I really like Elijah Wood. You like Elijah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. What well, one of the things too that they kind of getting to what you said about him and Smeagol. The, did you all get the sense that in the movie, do, do, just kind of putting yourself back in the first time you watched it, did it feel like a mistake? Like the it, the way the movie portrays his his decision to put faith in Smeagol. In, in the books, it's pretty clear that it's not that it, that that was. Um, there was some strength of character and yeah. some even that's part of what makes him a heroic character in, in the books is is um, this pity and trust and faith that he puts yeah. in and who Smeagol is. Um, 
it, it, the, the, again, this is kind of getting to just what my own subjective interpretation in the, in the movie, it, it kind of came across a little bit more li- like a, like a mistake at points. That's that Sam was Sam. You're was the, biased. Yeah. Towards Sean Astin. <laughs> oh yeah. Take that. That actually that, makes a lot of sense. That Samwise makes here. So knowing, <laughs> knowing the end and knowing that Gollum cannot overcome his own weakness mm-hmm. i still pity him root for him and like want to believe in his redemption through two towers when he's in that room and he's shouting at Gollum, go away and never come back and then it's silent and the next day he's like all happy and he's gaffing with you know samwise and talking about fish and stuff I love that, and I think Frodo is making a good choice, and he's, in a way, he's listening to counsel, because in the former movie, he tells us that it's a pity he's not dead, and then the the next time he sees him, he's heeding the counsel of Gandalf, and he says, you know, or maybe he just realizes it on his own, but he's like, now that I see him, I do pity him. Um, and so I think he showcases mercy and, I mean, ultimately, the end that comes about is because of Smeagol in, in, a, mm-hmm. in a twisted kind of way. But, yeah, I, I root for it. I don't think that's a mistake. I don't, I don't get like, yeah. ah, yeah. that's going to lead you guys in the wrong path. Yeah, yeah. I actually get frustrated with Sam for being so rash mm-hmm. because I think I think he has a prudent perspective mm-hmm. and he could have been so it's much brutal. more diplomatic. <gasps> well, he's like he's like kicking Smeagol and yanking him down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I always I We should tie life. him up and leave him to die. It's like yeah if you're gonna yeah. argue that Smeagol's not to be trusted, you probably shouldn't be the most heinous you've been through the whole movie mm-hmm. sam yeah. has some serious emo emotional rage problems <laughs> they're buried deep in his soul and it's all coming out on smeagol yeah it's so, all because he didn't shoot a shot with rosie before the fellowship but... <laughs> you know all that frustration man, he, he, he's you know got to get it out someplace i guess and he's got to take it all out on him so, so I, I will, I will leave you all with my greatest frustration with Elijah Woods having played Frodo, and that is that I cannot imagine someone whose skin is smoother than my nine-month-year-old son my gosh. having hairy feet. It, it does not, doesn't make sense to me. Well, you know what's crazy about it is he does have hairy feet because we saw that he has hairy feet. So. <laughs> Well, glue can do anything. (laughs) No better argument than hairy feet. I'll tell you what. I'm just a confrontational person, so it's making me like Frodo even more. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, what's funny is I know what you mean, but I think... No, I'm totally kidding. Not with the feet, just in general. (laughs) With Frodo's representation (laughs) through Elijah Wood, Mm -hmm. I think the biggest problem is he just doesn't talk enough he doesn't get enough time to contemplate what's going on inside of him and what he's struggling with 
Um, and again, I think part of that's like the Matrix effect, where they just really loved the slow motion and the eye rolling. and Right. Because, um, yeah. I mean, his conversations with Gandalf and Sam, those are some of, I think, the best parts of the movie. One part that really moves me is when Frodo kicks Sam out of their party. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like wait, su- wait, Joel, Dan. This is this is Return of the King. You're we're, you're right. We're you're starting right. to actually in Uh-oh. the books. Actually, in the books, it might have been. Too, I I I forget. <laughs> the balance, man. I, uh... <laughs> but yeah, I did. I just I like Frodo when he has a chance to to speak. Yeah. Show to show what Frodo's going through. Yeah. Because Elijah Wood can obviously act, and it doesn't feel like he's given the opportunity to really spread his wings. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so he he he's he he has to resort to using these like. <laughs> like <laughs> Sam! Sam! Or, or like. Like yeah, like... facial expressions. <laughs> yeah, I think that Osgiliath scene <laughs> is another great example of. I just am not a huge fan of the whole slow motion, panting and sighing. Yeah. It's your Frodo, Sam. Frodo looks like she's, he's compli- he's uh, constipated for most of the film. That, that's just the truth. Yeah, yeah maybe that's not, not his fault. So, yeah. Okay, one another thing I wanted to talk about was henchmen, because you had the mouth behind you. Mm. You did and earlier. So, yeah. Grima. Yeah, so Grima, um, oh, maybe that is Osgiliath. Here I go, getting my movies mixed up again. <laughs> the Battle of Osgiliath, does that, that happens in Return of the King, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we'll leave that for next one. But um, Grima Wormtongue, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love yeah, that scene. I, I do too. I, I really like Grima, and I one of... I I didn't notice this the first few times I watched the movie, but that tear he has when Sauron shows him the army that he's about to unleash. Did you all notice that? Have you have you? Yeah, I I never I never noticed that, and I I really like that about his about his character. I think there's a lot of depth to Grima, um, and they actually I in some ways, um, again this this is another change from the the movie from the book um the movie kind of portrays um Sauron as having a bit more direct power over theoden than he does in the books um okay. like there, there's that whole possession um scene where yeah Gandalf kind of casts him out and he's been yeah, possessing okay. the plant here mm-hmm. so that that influence was a lot more indirect and subtle through grima in the book um, interesting yeah um which so, I, there's I, an interesting cool, but... part it looks like you won't have any answers but one of the things i was going to ask you mm-hmm. is this recent time i noticed that gandalf's reincarnation mm-hmm. seemed by the scene less important than saruman's knowledge of it because he's laughing at him saying you know because mm-hmm. Because Gandalf, I would say, casts a spell or or an incantation, and he says, you know, you won't harm him, whatever. And and he starts laughing at him. And it isn't until he throws off his cloak mm. and shows him. And so I'm wondering, in Tolkien's world, yeah, 
what is the nature of wizard wizardly powers and and how why does he have to show his power for it to be effective you know what does that make sense yeah yeah, yeah. i just was i was intrigued by that this time around yeah i love that scene yeah. uh, so i'm glad they changed it yeah <laughs> yeah I, I like it too uh, uh, i've always thought that was cool but yeah when he throws off yeah it is it's a really cool moment well um, just that whole scene where he's like you wouldn't take an old man from his walking stick he gives their <laughs> little wing oh yeah i love that um, yeah so the conclusion of this scene i think is one of the things that i think lord of the rings gets really right mm-hmm. and that is aragorn stopping theoden from killing grima Mm. because there's an inherent goodness to mercy regardless of who you're extending that mercy to Mm. and i mean a modern analog would be game of thrones and i believe they got it very wrong um because not there were times where characters were deemed worthy of death which i do agree sometimes justice would have that be the case but it's the manner in which a lot of these deaths occurred. They were almost just as twisted as the villains they were killing. And it's this kind of hypocritical, you know, uh, Ramses is the one I can think of. He's a disgusting, terrible person. But then when they end his life, they sink to his level and they're just as disgusting and terrible. Maybe not just as, but they, they show in themselves the same kind of motives that drove him. Um, But it's just all of a sudden, okay, because he's such a corrupted character. So when Aragorn says, you know, enough blood has been spilt on his account and they want to let him go. I think there's, a nobility there that we that i don't see a lot in movies i see a lot of this like comeuppance and you know the bad guy gets theirs in maybe a violent disgusting way so yeah and and in a way that kind of detracts from the the goodness of the good people exactly yeah (laughs) it's it's almost like in um dark (laughs) night joker doesn't want to live as a matter of fact, Batman showing mercy to Joker in preserving his life is just as much of a loss. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's, when he's like driving at him and he's like, hit me, hit me. All he wants to do is corrupt the incorruptible. And so yeah. I think there's a theme there that Tolkien obviously understands pretty deeply because of his, you know, association with Christianity. But just the idea that there's a corrupting nature to not being in a position to give mercy any longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I really liked that. I like Aragorn a lot too. I think yeah. he's a... Even, uh, yeah. What did you think of uh, Grima spitting on his hand? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't remember that. <laughs> uh, after, after, after Aragorn stops Theoden, he goes down to help Grima up. Yeah. And Grima, Grima just goes. <laughs> yeah. But you're, you know, you're right, Dan. That that is kind of the biggest problem uh, with a lot of things, because like Game of Thrones did have that problem, where, you know, you're supposed to have all these villains, but if you're making the good guys almost fall as low as the, as the bad guys, unless it's a story of redemption, mm-hmm. and that has to be the ultimate turnaround to get the get the character to go forward the next step of his development or life. Yeah. 
you, you can't cheer for the heroes if they're falling as far as the villains because then they become as bad as them. And mm-hmm. if we're not cheering for the villains, then why are we cheering for this man who's supposed to be the quote unquote good guy? Yeah. And, I, and I, no exemplars. Yep. I do like I do mm-hmm. like the recognition in the flaws of heroes and the legitimate ideologies that maybe fuel a madman. Um, Thanos is a great example where yeah, sure. his if if he wasn't trying to end half of all life everywhere, you might be able to understand his aim, or sure. at least you can recognize the value in his aim, and that he's just taken it too far. And I think that's kind of a beautiful villain too. And that that is kind of a a kind of villainy that the Tolkien movies lack, at least. Sure. Um, in the Lord of the Rings, Sauron is just pure, pure evil. evil. Dark, yep. You know, Maiar yep. um, Force living forever, always going to just work to the end of evil. Um, and again, I think that's like the Christian analog. But but yeah, I, I agree. I think there's a balance that you can achieve with corrupting your heroes and giving a little glimmer of light to your villains. Mm-hmm. Indeed. It's true. Um, so uh, one thing we haven't talked about yet is uh, with all the stuff that was added to the extended cut, you know, um, the differences between fellowship and two towers, do you feel like, I mean, I know Dan, I know for sure you, you loved the way the fellowship was extended and you thought that that really benefited the, the movie as a whole. And I know Alistair, even you thought that too. Um, do you think Two Towers benefited from the extended stuff as much as Fellowship, or did some of it still feel kind of like it didn't need to be there? I always feel like I always talk first, so I'll let Dan speak. <laughs> okay. Um, so if I, I think, again, it's been so long since I've watched the standard editions, the theatrical cuts, that mm-hmm. I don't always know what is extended. Um but at the very least, I think the extensions in Two Towers don't function in the same way as Fellowship. In Fellowship, I, as I said, I think they move the, the lore. They expose more of the lore. Mm-hmm. In Two Towers, though, I like them just as much because they kind of expose more of the characters and either their emotions or their... Um, friendships with one another like uh, the funeral the extension of the funeral I like that I think it adds feeling to it I really like the extension between Pippin and Mary because I like the, I just like the way they interact with one another mm-hmm. um, so yeah I, I again I like them I wouldn't I wouldn't go without any of them I don't think hmm. okay yeah I um, there are there was a number of things that I liked better about the extended. Um, I guess the the ones kind of speaking to some that I, I felt like did enhance the lore was the moment where Treebeard sings the song of the Entwives. Because um, because that song didn't really him kind of sharing with us on the on the Entwives didn't really seem to directly impact the current issues at all. But I really liked that. Sure. I really liked how he shared about that. Oh, and that's like a, a great joke too. <laughs> what do they look like? I don't, I don't remember. remember. <laughs> um, and I really like the Ring of Bar, bar here. 
um, the, where uh, Grima had noticed that ring on Aragorn's finger and then was describing it in the extended version to Sauron. And oh, Sauron okay. recognizes who he is from that. And I thought that was really cool. Um, but um, the, And I, also kind of speaks against it, right? He's like, that line died off. Right. <laughs> do right. you think do you think he is just trying to make himself feel better there or I think so. Yeah, okay. I think yeah. so. I I think that um I think that well, I I guess I don't know, but but to me if I was in Sauron's shoes, the moment that Gandalf escaped in the fellowship would be the moment when I, when my own sense of my infallibility would be would be wounded. And I think continued signs of the potential for his own defeat, things like that, or, or things like the the heir of a sealer showing up. Um, I, I think that a man as prideful as Sormon would have to, to kind of internally defend himself against that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, I, some of the comedy I really liked, like I um, kind of getting back to the extended scene in Fangorn, I loved um, some of Gimli's dialogue. Um like where uh, uh, I think Aragorn's like lower your axe when the tree <laughs> when, when the trees are when the trees are kind of freaking out and then yeah. uh, after uh, <laughs> and then Gandalf's talking about the Ents and he says they're strong and Gimli's like strong oh oh that's good <laughs> every time Gimli opens his mouth I want to crack up <laughs> yeah every Gimli's time. great um, and then there there were some other scenes like the ones you all had mentioned that I felt like just really. Um, enhance this the, the overall story well like i liked the banish the the um extended scene about the banishment of aomer um where we see how that the king himself signed this order it wasn't just Krima acting uh in some self-authenticating way yeah. like he, he I had the, like that he had the, the the seal of the king and it just kind of showed how far the king has fallen that he would banish his own kin like that yeah. um and um and then i guess kind of along similar lines i liked the um the, the massacre uh, at the Fords um, where you kind of, I, I guess it gave a little bit more. I always felt like the cinematic version that the, the whole tension between Isengard and Rohan um, seemed to be a bit rushed. Um, and okay. like li- little, little scenes like that. Um, yeah. That, like the end of that, that battle at the, at the Fords of Isengard where, where Theodred's already, you know, we, we were kind of introduced to his character, even just a little bit. Um, and kind of see the, the the tension building between Sauron mm-hmm. and Rohan. So I, yeah, I some of the stuff I really liked um, as I was kind of reviewing some of the the extended stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing, um, nothing overly stood out to me. Like Fellowship, I, I could kind of tell certain parts that were that were extended. The only thing I think in Two Towers that really stood out was the stuff in the forest mm-hmm. with, uh, with with Merry and Pippin and, and the trees because. It just felt like that went on a long period of time. I felt like that's it, it kind of felt like it slowed the movie down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like the insight and I like being able to get all the information, but I could see why like that was extremely cut down in a theatrical cut because <laughs> it, slow it, down, slow buckle down. up for Return of the King. <laughs> I I distinctly remember sitting, sweating my butt off in a movie theater seat, yeah. thinking like, okay, this is the end. Well, maybe this then is Every right. time. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. I mean, yeah. I was enjoying it, but at the same time, it was that was a that was a haul. Yeah, it was definitely a thing. And then I looked at the running time for the extended Return of the King, and I'm like, oh god. Yeah. Like, oh god, man. So 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 there's like almost an hour's worth of added stuff. I'm like, oh boy. 
yeah, please, it, please, please tell me it all it all works. Does, does the does the flow of it still work though, even if though it's an hour longer? I Turn of the King is exciting. Mm-hmm. I think it's the it's the resolving action after the victory at Minas Tirith that there's just no way to put a cap on that and and have it go for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I think there's a really important element of what they talk about. Is it in Two Towers where, uh, like, things not really being able to go quite back to normal? Um, yeah, it's kind of like yeah. when, when Sam is talking about how darkness passes too. Oh, yes. I'm yes. In, at the end of Return of the King, it kind of feels like Sam was right, but you also never really get past that dark. That yeah, dark. You don't come out unscathed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I again, I advocate for extended editions, even mm-hmm. in Return of the King. But I did note I actually split uh, two towers into two watch sessions. I did too. Yeah. yeah, I think that's just because I've never done such a thing. Yeah, I had. I don't think I had either. I'm waiting for you to say it, Alistair. That's a crime. How dare you both? Same, same, same at, at, at least a misdemeanor, not not quite a felony. Alistair yeah. did two watch sessions, but it was the whole movie both times. Yeah, so. he just he just he, he had to get up to take the discs out and put them back in. That, that, that was it. And push them um, So one of the scenes I really liked this time around was when Aragorn was encouraging King Theoden to call for aid. And Theoden is being a little bit um, short with him saying, you know, we're not as lucky in our friends as you are. Um, Gondor, where was Gondor when Where's the West? Gondor? Yeah. And, and then he starts to say, where was, and he stops himself. And I turned to Mariah and I was like, what do you think he was going to say? And my hypothesis is that he was going to start talking about his son. Um, but mm-hmm. he decided that he had gotten too angry and too personal and he reined himself in a little bit. Um, but did the books kind of talk about anything he would have been upset with? Or Oh, gosh, I don't remember. That's yeah, I know. It, yeah, I know exactly what line you're thinking about. That's cool to think about if he was thinking about Theodred. Um, yeah, I, I don't he remember. Was, he was like getting angry at Gondor. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. That's a, I like that thought a lot. Where was I? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, let me... Uh, feel free to keep talking. I, I'm, I'm curious. Though. Well, yeah, see. and maybe maybe when he's saying, like, where were they when... But then he had to stop because he notices that, you know, part of this stuff is his fault. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. Um, that's a really good question. Um, and I am curious if if the books kind of give any any yeah. insight into that. It's making me want to read them. I I yeah. I enjoyed the first one and then I lost it. I had this big hulking three in one. Um, it was just a soft cover, and I used to try and read it when I would ride um, a stationary bike in the mornings when I lived in this apartment complex. And I think I left it in there one day, but I got a new one. It actually looks pretty good. Oh, I don't have it in here. I'll next for the next one. I'll bring it so you can see it. It looks okay. looks pretty cool. Um, so uh, we did this before too. Um, 
favorite characters this time around? I know Gandalf was the favorite last time, and mm, what about yeah. this time? Oh, just before I jump into that, it looks uh, – so that, that quote wasn't from the book. That was another oh. one of uh, Added. Peter Jackson's editions. But it, okay. gosh, it definitely sounded like it could have been from the book. Well, it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. Like that one. yeah. So Gandalf is not – my favorite in the two towers and it's probably just because he's not quite as playful Hmm. uh and he doesn't get as much screen time i don't think no not even Uh, close he will likely resurface as my favorite in return of the king Mm -hmm. but for this one i think it's either gonna have to be um gollum smeagol and gollum or um aragorn Okay. Alistair? Sean Astin. Sean Astin, baby. <laughs> now, my, now, now my question to you is... I'm just saying that to echo myself familiar. No, actually, my favorite in Two Towers was, was Aragorn. Um, and actually, my favorite moment with him is one um, that isn't highlighted too much, but he's, he's, um, he's with uh, the people of Rohan, and they're sharpening their swords, trying to get geared up. Mm. And Legolas says, uh, what for? You know, 10, 300 against 10,000? 10,000. Uh, Nakathakasaya! <laughs> They're all going to die. And, I will die uh, as one of them! <laughs> and and, I, and, I, and what do you all think of his choice to transition to English there? I don't is... think it was a choice. No. I yeah. think it's kind of like when someone gets angry... Well, obviously the symbol is he's, you know, I'm he's just a king. common tongue. Yeah. Yeah. He's their head. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I love that, that particular line and, and moment. Cause, um, I think that's one of the moments when for me, Aragorn most receive or reveals himself to be a king. Um, yeah, definitely. So, so I thought you were going to say, um, when he swings that boy's sword and tells him there's yeah. all I really, I really like that scene, For too. For some reason, I remembered the kid getting knighted. Huh. But that must be a different mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Well, there, there's that's, there's, that's, there's that's a lot the of extended, movies extended. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so favorite moments with my favorite characters. I like all of Smeagol's monologues in this one. I love the poem he's reciting at the Dead Marshes. I love the resurfacing of Gollum when they're recently captured by Faramir. Mm-hmm. Um, I love when he's singing at the sacred pool. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I think, I think Andy does a really good job of catching that schizophrenia. Um, I don't know. It was cool. And then Aragorn, I think my favorite part is probably... Um, it's probably the same where he shouts at Legolas. Yeah. 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 Mine, uh, my favorite two characters I think in this movie are actually Frodo and Sam. Uh, Mm -hmm. I just, I, I liked a lot of their scenes, especially at the beginning. Um, I, I liked the, you know, the journey and then, and then Smeagol comes in there and the, you know, you see all the tension between Frodo and Sam and, uh, how Frodo kind of is with Gollum and how how trusting he gets of him, and how he how he feels for him too. He feels his pain, 
And yeah. um, I think that was really the first moment where I looked at Frodo and I really realized that he really is this good-hearted person. And, and, it, and it's easy to understand why the ring is not corrupting him like it's corrupted others, because he really has the compassion for others. And it's almost like he has a incorruptible soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. you definitely see his endurance in Two Towers. Yeah. Right. So. I feel like his wrestling with the ring really starts to... Yeah, show itself. A bit, definitely a bit more than it did he in Fellowship. Do it without Sam, though, Al, right? <laughs> he needs Sam. Sam's just, Sam's his boy. He's okay. his boy. I think the spice box with Sam is really all you need to know about him is his optimism when they're eating the lamb, lambas bread and he's like, oh, it's pretty good. A little good, bit of hope. <laughs> yeah, and he's and he's got the spice in case they should find some roast chicken or something. <laughs> the way he's rationed the roast food, chicken. not just for the journey there, but the journey home. He's such a forward-thinking, optimistic guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Best line, though. It's got to be when Gollum says, you fat hobbit. Yeah. <laughs> I actually got a shirt this year for Christmas that says potatoes boy love master <laughs> stick them in a stew Mariah got me that one even you could like those <laughs> yeah that's good that's a good scene i like that scene a lot yeah me too um, yeah so in the in the behind the scenes they did a little bit of how they incorporated smeagol into the scenes mm-hmm. and while they were shooting with the other characters um andy circus was just wearing a like green onesie type thing. It wasn't a green screen thing. It was just like a costume of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, although they probably used it to green screen them out or mold it or whatever. And they would basically shoot the scenes with these cameras that had motion memory. And so they'd shoot the scene once and then they could just have the camera go and shoot the scene with no actors they could have the camera go again and shoot it with just the actors without Andy. So oh. he was kind of a, a reference point, but then they would use the multiple runs to create a Smeagol-less oh. footage. And then he would get on the motion capture and he'd be in this room where at the beginning of each take, he'd have to position his body a certain way to kind of like sync it up with the, the puppet. They called it the Gollum puppet. And then um, he had this little mask on where he could see the digital rendering of Gollum and how he could move it. Mm. And so he'd jump around and then they'd take those motion captures and that would be what became um, mm-hmm. Smeagol's movement cool. and they'd texture that and everything. It was pretty cool and I think I think really ahead of its time. Yeah, this, was, uh, this actually was like one of the first films to do it because there was a company called uh, Weta Digital uh-huh. And uh, they, they formed, and this film was the first one to really use the motion capture. And uh, Andy uh, Andy also played Caesar in the Planet of the Apes trilogy. Oh, okay. And oh, uh, really? they, they wow. used the same technology to capture all of Caesar's emotions, and especially in Planet of the Apes, how they captured everything just in the eyes. And, and you can see it with, with, uh, with Gollum, too, yeah. just how great the technology is and even how much better it is now. But that's why Andy Serkis, he really is... He's the best thing for this. I mean, he's yeah. played that. He's played Planet of the Apes. He's played Snoke. Um, I yeah. think there's another one he's played as well. Um, he actually just got hired to uh, direct the next Venom movie, too. Huh. Interesting. As cool. well. So he's kind of transitioning to director. And so, I think he won an Oscar, I believe, for Lord of the Rings as well for the, yeah. for the capture. That's mm-hmm. cool. 
Yeah. So why why did Gollum work so much better than Jar Jar? <laughs> um. Because well, Gollum is silly. Um, Gollum yeah. is a foil, as Jar Jar can sometimes be. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the problem was too is that Jar Jar was very juvenile, but. I think what people don't realize is is that the character was written that way for the for the child audience for the Phantom Menace. That's why yeah. I've always considered Phantom Menace to be the most kid-like juvenile chapter of the whole saga. But uh, they used similar technology with Jar Jar, but it was still very much early compared to this. I had yeah. heard that Michael Jackson wanted to play Jar Jar. Until really? he found out it was a digital character. Yeah, he thought it would be a prosthetic character. Oh my and God. Michael Jackson was interested. There's actually, this is obviously leaving the movie topic at hand, but there's a great interview with the actor that voice acts Jar Jar. Uh-huh. And he just kind of talks about like how hated the character is and, <laughs> and how it it didn't seem that way while they were filming. And it was kind of a surprise to him after it was all said and done. I heard he became uh because of all the backlash. They said he even like got suicidal. Oh really? There was so much backlash because there was so much hate, and uh-huh. he felt he felt hated and discouraged, and uh, wow. it wasn't good. And actually, there's two Phantom Menace stories. He had those same problems, and so did Jake Lloyd, who played young Anakin Skywalker. If you look mm. at him now, he's a very troubled kid. He's been in and out of jail. Uh, he was on drugs because wow. I guess that after he filmed Phantom Menace, he was so belittled and teased because. Little Anakin. Because he was, did such a horrible job. Well, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, Phantom Menace wasn't really too kind to some cast members after it. Boy, fans yeah. can be pretty, pretty crazy. Ruthless. Yeah. For sure. Wow. So think about that before you start well, making fun of Elijah Wood's skin and chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always wonder if, too, if, if Go- Gollum's... So, so Jar Jar, I felt like, was in, in part... Well, maybe it's just uh, maybe I'm seeing it through what he's become to viewers, but I felt like he was supposed to be comedic relief. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Smeagol, I think the moments when um, you start to see kind of like a goofy side to him are, I think, are moments where you start to have hope for his redemption. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which which is just kind of takes on a, I feel like a different tone. And and um, but were, were you talking more about the like the way they digitized him? I, I think, no, I think you, you hit it right. How there's just so much about Gollum that's real, that in, yeah. evokes emotion for me. Um, and Jar Jar does little more than make me angry. I mean, he just makes, <laughs> he feels cheesy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't buy, he's too contrived. Um, although I will say the scene at the sacred pool where Frodo leads Gollum into being captured by Faramir and his his cohort, that felt contrived to me. It's not in the books. I no. just no. didn't understand the manufacturing of this betrayal by Frodo. Um, maybe that's the only way they deemed to bring him back around, to bring Gollum back into it, but it just felt like silly. I don't know. I, I, mm-hmm. that's interesting that it wasn't in the books because I definitely felt like it was out of place. Half-staked. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I think, um, I don't know why they changed it, but I think the, there might be something to Gollum's character development, but the more immediate reason that comes to mind is for the sake of, of showing 
portraying Faramir as a conflicted character. Mm-hmm. Um, when in the books, his men, even his men, not only Faramir alone, but the men of Gondor were always kind um, to Gollum and um, never beat him up and, you know, kicked him around like they did in the films. So Yeah, they're like thugs. Yeah. Yeah. So so what how does how does Smeagol transition back into plotting against Sam and Frodo if so, not by the sacred pool? Yeah. So in, in the books the 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 two personalities are far more equivalent. Um so uh, if if I remember correctly, there was just I don't think that there was like a, a moment where he was mistreated and that kind of prompted a, a resurgence of the Gollum personality. I think that there was just a mo- like there it was a much more subtle transition where the Gollum personality started to gain power and eventually transitioned back towards being the prominent personality. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, which would yeah. take more time and is probably more difficult to convey in a visual medium. Sure. Right. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. All right. So back to our, um, our overall grade of the movies. Um, uh, unless it's going to be a 10 out of 10 from 11. Uh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, what, did, what did I say for fellowship? Uh, I think I said 10. I think you said a 10. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, uh, I like Two think? Towers a lot. I love the battle. Mm-hmm. I love the story movement. So much is happening. When the Fellowship splits out, there's a strength in that because everyone's going down their own path. Um, I love Theoden. I love the songs. I think I'm going to go 10. <laughs> uh, better or worse than Fellowship? I'm such an advocate for fellowship because it's so underrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I go with fellowship better. Yeah, I think as a, as, a, as a, if I'm going my 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 rubric is as an as an adaptation of the books. I think uh, fellowship was more faithful. So yeah. to me, that's important to me. <laughs> yeah, I I agree because uh, just based upon um, I know from the theatrical cuts, Return of the King was my favorite, but based upon these first two extendeds, Fellowship so far is the best extended version. Oh, That's you're winning us over, Dan. You're winning That's us right. over. That was my whole goal. I was a completely different man two weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> you're changing, Alistair. That's right. <laughs> Next so, uh, thing you know, you're gonna say Fellowship, and I and you could do it without Sam. You really, <laughs> oh man, you like Frodo. <laughs> I don't. I don't think Alice was gonna be able to do it without Sam. <laughs> yeah. there, I mean, there is really cool development, and I love it. But yeah, Fellowship. I've got to say Fellowship too. Okay. All right. So Dan gave it a ten. So Alistair, are you gonna stick with the eleven? I'll, I'll stay. I'll stay ten. Stay ten. So 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 a little below. Okay. Yeah. Um, I can't. I can't give Jackson that much credit because of how much he changed. <laughs> so so a slight knock notch down I'll, I'll, yeah i'm going with 10 okay uh let's see i gave fellowship a nine so i'll put two towers at about an eight just slightly oh. below fellowship so you know uh we're, we'll see we're if softy we... stan we're soft. my ratings are i was just thinking my ratings are so boring 10 oh yeah 10. We're, we're, this is great we're, we're the paula abduls of this podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well I, think of it this way we'll, we'll, we'll do the start 
when we uh, when we do the Star Wars ones, I'll be the one giving everything a ten, and you guys might be the ones who give stuff below. So it'll probably oh, be yeah. Flip yeah. No, you, you you don't remember Paula from um. So there were the three judges for oh, American. American Idol. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Simon, of course, was always the the, the eight. I'm, I'm gonna Mike's give this the, Mike's the, the Simon. Dog. <laughs> I'm the Simon Cowell, and then I'll be the Paula Abdul of Star Wars. That's it'll, it'll flip flop. <laughs> I think there's a lot to love about any installment of the Star Wars franchises, but there's also a lot to hate in all of the original. Yeah, uh, I, I won't <laughs> use the word hate. I will yeah. use the word things that could have gone differently that I would have liked to have seen happen sure. than what did. Yeah, I'll yeah. put it that way. That, that yeah. that's kind of in a way. It is pretty strong. But Dan, I'm we're gonna have to, we're gonna it. have to work really hard to get Mike to critique those films. But we'll... I'm up for the challenge. I'm you up... have no idea how hard of a pull it's gonna be. It's gonna be very, very, very hard. <laughs> You're gonna start bad talking them, and we'll be like, good, good. <laughs> oh boy. Let the hate flow through you. I, I have to figure out though which. Uh, which trilogy I'm going to strongly defend more. Uh, I guess it just depends on which ones you guys are harsher on. You're going to have to defend the prequels to us pretty hard, Mike. Oh, I can, I can do that. <laughs> you know what? I, I rewatched the prequels, and I might stand in their defense a little bit, too. Ah, here's, there we go. Here's, I mean, sneak peek, because this is maybe we should end this podcast and have a short conversation. A preview but, of what's to come. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no, I, I I agree. It's gonna be a, that's gonna be a fun podcast. It's definitely gonna be a little bit more uh, maybe controversial or confrontational than than these, more than likely. Yeah. But uh, cool. Okay, so um, all right. So you guys are still holding firm at your tens. So yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks for the thanks for the heart, uh, Alistair. <laughs> And I'll give you guys a laugh. Uh, wait, he's... <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so our last one coming up will be Return of the King. I'm actually looking forward to revisiting that movie. It's been Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we will decide on a time to do that. And then uh, we'll go to our Star Wars ones down the line. So that'll be fun. Awesome. That's great. Cool. Thanks right. for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming in, guys. And uh, we'll see everybody on uh, the Return of the King. Mm -hmm. All right, have a good night, everybody. There is still hope. I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. So do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All you have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to you. Even the smallest person can change the course of the future.